0: Welcome to the really useful podcast. I'm Christian Corley, and with me is uh, my fellow Make Use Of editor and fellow really useful podcast host, it's Ben Stegner. Hey, Ben. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. It's a warm summer evening here. How's how's, how's it with you in the US?
1: Uh, not too bad where I am. It's summer too, of course, but it's it's been pretty humid the past couple of days. But so it's not not dreadful, but definitely definitely summer definitely summer
0: yes uh unseasonably warm for the time of year here i'm used to kind of you know wind rain sub-zero you know i was wearing a cardigan a few weeks ago so oh wow yeah that's the usual type of weather we get here uh we've uh, got a packed show for you this week Uh, we're going to be looking at uh well, this is not what I'm gonna say. We've got a pack show for you this week, we're gonna look at that part lost my notes. So uh we've got a pack show for you on this week's really useful podcast from make use of. We are gonna be looking at how Amazon has confessed, confess Amazon, that Alexa does indeed retain your voice recordings. Uh we're gonna have a look at a thing called Antstream, which is uh, just been released in the UK this week and uh, looks set to uh, spread into North America uh, pretty soon. And We'll, we'll tell you a bit more about that when we get to it. And Girl Boss, the LinkedIn for women. We'll also be taking a look at some tips uh, how to open RAR files and other zip and compressed uh, file formats. Uh, the Art of the Apology, Ben, and how to say sorry with an email and mean it. And uh, some DIY cleaning slime, because all the kids love slime these days. And it turns yeah. out slime is a little bit more popular and important than perhaps you at first thought but first amazon retains alexa voice recordings unless you delete them amazon has admitted that yes as per many people's suspicions it is retaining alexa voice recordings unless and until customers delete them um in the first half of 2019 some tech publications have been investigating amazon's handling of alexa voice recordings amazon obviously is the owner of Is it the biggest or the second biggest um, cloud facility for websites? So they're not short of
1: storage, are they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the first, but Google could be first. It's probably Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, but definitely in the big leagues. Yeah. So, you know,
0: Amazon aren't short of space with AWS. And they admit they retained Alexa voice recordings uh, reported by CNET. Um, they were asked, how long does Amazon store the transcripts of voice recordings? Um, we retain customers' voice recordings and transcripts until the customer chooses to delete them. Um, they were asked by US Senator Chris Coons, who appreciated the prompt response, but um, obviously wasn't that happy with the response. Um, which brings us all to the whole how do you delete your Alexa voice recordings? Um, fortunately, it's relatively straightforward um,
1: Ben you know I do this don't you yeah. I don't know the exact steps off the top of my head, but I know it's, uh, it's in the Alexa app. I can double check yeah. here, but yeah, um, essentially. You, the Alexa app. Yeah. Yeah. You can open up the app and then that you go into your settings and there should be a privacy or like a, a command history or something like that, where, uh, not only can you delete past commands, but you can listen to them too, which is kind of creepy. Um, you can kind of hear all the times you were barking at Alexa to do whatever, you know, when maybe you were a little upset or in a hurry or something. So, um, yeah, you can delete them through there, but uh, it is interesting what the the what Amazon said um, to this was a senator, right? Yeah, to the senator um, saying how it kind of depends on what you said to Alexa. So it says if you use a skill to like call an Uber or order a pizza or something, um, it says they keep a record of the transaction on that. Um, but requests like setting an alarm or something similar, like uh, making a calendar event, it says. Customers would not want or expect deletion of the voice recording to delete the underlying data or prevent Alexa from performing the requested task. So, I mean, that's basically saying when you delete it, it doesn't, you know, if you, if you tell Alexa to set an alarm and then you delete that recording, obviously it sets the alarm, um, But it says, yeah. Uh, 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 the the thing that I think concerns some people is that he said we have an ongoing effort to ensure that the transcripts do not remain in any of Alexa's other storage systems. So it sounds like even if it if they delete it from the primary server, there's a other storage system which yeah. is pretty big.
0: And um, they have uh, revised how do this. So you open the app, you go to settings, and then Alexa privacy. And here you can review your voice history. Manage smart home device history, manage skill permissions, all that sort of thing. So if I've got to review voice history and you can uh, enable this function called enable deletion by voice, uh, which allows you to delete recordings by saying Alexa, delete what I just said or Alexa, delete everything I said today. So that's oh. quite useful. Yeah, that's handy. I'm, yeah, I'm going to uh, just see. I'm pretty sure there should have been activity for yesterday there's certainly been activity for this past week now, now now i'm wondering whether this is limited to the Alexa app what i'm looking at on the app because mm, i, I think, don't use the app really to uh, say anything i and think it's, it's displaying all, no activity for everything and you've definitely used it recently uh, now i switch to all history and it's gone to the sixth which was three days ago uh so shall we um play this one Give it a try. Alexa, <laughs> yeah, so this is my little boy um, shouting at Alexa. Alexa I don't know if that picked up so well, um, but he's basically telling it to stop playing. Oh, uh, there's alternatively cool music. play cool music. Oh, okay. Um, Uh, yeah and and then there's there's this one of mine oh because you know in every household with multiple people um everyone wants to listen to something different sure on Alexa yeah uh so those can all be deleted through the app um as stated it's a shame there isn't a better way of being more proactive about this and maybe, you know, if it, is there anything really stopping Amazon from sitting at, sitting at 15 or 30 day or even a 90 day enforced deletion on these? I don't think there is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you, I mean, aside from what the, what he talked about with, you know, receipts for ordering uh, an item or food or whatever, I mean, yeah. I don't think it'd be that hard to set it up. So after three months, everything is just deleted automatically. I mean, how many people really go back in and say, oh, what did I say to Alexa two weeks ago or last month? You know, I mean, exactly. I don't think most people really do unless it's like evidence for something. But that seems like a very small fraction of people. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through. I'm
0: seeing if there's anything that looks uh, embarrassing as well. Um, but you know, you know, things that might have been picked up by mistake. But it's all
1: to do with Amazon Music, basically. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, if it picked up, if it misheard Alexa and then started recording something strange, it would probably only be a snippet of a sentence anyway. But sure. Even then, you never know what it could pick up. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's that. It's not an ideal situation, but at least we know the truth now, and we know we've got we've got a way of getting around it. Let's move on to AntStream, which um, has a slightly ridiculous name. <laughs> uh, um, what AntStream is, um, I'll tell you what they call them How they describe themselves: they are the world's first retro game streaming subscription service. They're essentially the retro gaming option, uh, so the, the Netflix of retro gaming no downloads no fiddly emulators simply instant streaming uh they've gone live in the uk and if you're in the uk you can sign up already and you can sign up to their mailing list uh it's all available at antstream.com which is as it sounds uh to uh, be updated of new releases upcoming releases and support of new countries and regions um now, uh, Ben and I are going to be recording another podcast later today. To uh, go out during the summer, uh, we're going to be taking a break from the Really Useful Podcast during August, at the height of summer. And we'll be back in September. Um, so, a podcast we'll be recording later on is going to be mostly about, or exclusively about retro gaming and how it's made a bit of a comeback. If you can say something, retro's made a comeback without that being slightly regressive um yeah. i think you know what i'm saying and yeah. and seems very much the kind of uh i don't know it's, it's almost as if that's at the center of it all of a sudden it's it's sort of like it's it's a it's a, a hope for retro games retro games being coming back with um emulators i mean we've written countless articles on Mickey about retro gaming on all sorts of platforms with all sorts of devices android pc windows mac linux raspberry pi everything um what do you think of this idea for Unstream, is this, this
1: netflix of virtual gaming i think it's i think like anything else um you know, i always come back to like the spotify model if it lets you if it lets people how do i phrase it if it lets people do consume the media they were already consuming legally and it's easy then it seems like a pretty good idea um i mean you know it's not like music piracy has disappeared like we talked about with spotify but like you can yeah. download an app for free and listen to whatever you want with a few ads and it's and you're doing it legally. Same with this. Um, I don't think it'll be free. But yeah, I think no, it's dollars uh, seven ninety
0: nine or nine okay. ninety nine,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. Well I mean I think it's and it's similar to, you know, the price of an album a month. You get Apple Music or whatever, I think for this. I mean, you know, again, to buy a game on the three D S or Wii U virtual console is eight or ten dollars, depending on the system. So you know you eight dollars a month you can play as much as you want it's a pretty good deal and it's much cheaper than buying a physical cart because a lot of these games are pretty expensive yeah of course yeah. collectors you know if you if you always want to play everything on authentic hardware that's different but if you just want to try these games for the first time or relive favorite or something then this is a good way to do it i think
0: oh yeah there is there is most definitely a kind of a, a hardcore element to the retro gaming scene i've uh I mean, there's there's people. One well, we'll, we'll probably talk about this later, but you know, there's people creating like replica boards of original computers and original components, um, which is quite quite amazing. Um, yeah, so Antstream. You can find out more at Antstream.com. If you you know, you don't even have had to be playing games in the past. I mean, most of the stuff I'll be looking at if I do sign up because you know I've got stuff going on with other retro systems, but this is kind of multi-platform. You can just use and stream on pretty much any device that you own, which is probably the best thing about it. Uh, so you can play the games on your PC, you can play the games on your mobile device. Uh, it's, I mean, that, that side of things is really exciting because it it basically means the end of installing an emulator and fiddling to get it working properly because that configuration's been done for you and now it is streaming to your device over the internet. And
1: that's, that's just convenience, isn't it? Right, and you don't have to go hunting for ROMs, which is legally questionable anyway and Yeah. Yeah, haven't been able to play it on any system and you know if it has cross save, I imagine that'd be fairly easy to implement. That would be pretty nice too, so you can yeah. play for a few minutes on the go and then your save is updated on your computer. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. this is def- definitely a promising look. It says thousands of games coming soon, so it seems like that'll be a pretty good collection totally totally so yeah
0: if you're into retro gaming or reliving the past i mean i'm not i'm not here to declare when retro gaming ends i mean i suppose technically anything retro is anything last year and beyond isn't
1: it oh yeah what's the actual i don't know what the actual definition of retro i don't either the dictionary it says imitative of a fat a style fashion or design from the recent past so i mean technically the recent you could say stuff from the 2000s is retro
0: yeah, it's
1: yeah, the I think
0: it's is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, technically, I mean, if we if we're going to demarcate everything into decades, then you know, in two years' time, Red Dead Redemption Two will be retro because
1: it's the recent past. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh
0: yeah, I suppose probably I know in terms of gaming because it's all things that are retro, but I think in terms of gaming, it's got to be last generation's got to be. I mean that's probably where you're gonna work but, back
1: from, isn't it? My in my head, uh, it's it's not not a very well defined line, but I mean I would say probably, um, I would draw the line at probably right now either like PS PS one N sixty four era and and earlier probably would be what I'd say. I mean there's not really yeah. any particular justification. I mean the GameCube and PS two and Xbox are old as well, but they feel more modern than. The PS one. I don't know. It's it's well it's that might be already
0: because because to me the Amiga still feels recent. And you know, that was you know, twenty five years ago I last yeah.
1: really used Amiga in Anger, so anything earlier than the NES to me feels like primitive because uh-huh. I mean I never had an NES. I mean Super Nintendo is the first system I remember actually like having growing up with. Not that I had I played it that much, but like it was in the house, you know, so anything before that is like feels like a whole generation older to me which is just i head. it's not I know it's not official but yeah so i suppose the answer to that is we don't know um so
0: <laughs> let's move on to uh, girl boss the linkedin for women now uh we'll uh, leave our thoughts to this for a moment um girl boss is a media company which creates content aimed at females and they've launched Lynch. they've probably launched over this and then decided to launch a new professional networking site called um well called girl boss um girl boss professional networking 2.0 built for ambitious women it's essentially linkedin for women um but that kind of implies that linkedin isn't for women and i mean i'm pretty certain at least 50 percent of my contacts on linkedin are women so uh yeah um it's um built for ambitious women design is a platform for entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs marketers creatives side hustlers whatever they are and executives to connect on a number of levels uh you know it's a nice idea uh i would like to see it do well but i don't think it can do well in in the, the world of linkedin owned by microsoft
1: what do you think ben you don't think it'll do well at all. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, prefacing this, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm rarely ever actually actively using it. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I feel like I'm a lot of females I'm connected with on LinkedIn. I mean, you know, people from where I went to college and colleagues and stuff. I mean, it's not like there's, it's only guys on LinkedIn. So, um, I, it seems like this is a little, a little more, um, relaxed maybe like it's it's more like mm-hmm. like the 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 launch document says you know you can share like that you just ran a marathon or whatever where so maybe it's a little less stuffy than linkedin yeah. it's, it's less um i guess if you're talking about stereotypical male and female you know it's less like achievement oriented and more like experience uh, oriented which is fine uh it says it says men can join i don't i don't know it says, you know, the idea so you can get ideas from other women and stuff and bounce your ideas off of people. So I'm not really sure why men would like what they would do if they joined, But, um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I'm i curious if it'll get off the ground, though, because I don't think anyone's really that passionate about LinkedIn. Yeah. So will people be passionate about this? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean,
0: I. Uh i mean how do i use linkedin i i mean i, I mean i don't wanna do linkedin down here because i've got gigs through linkedin um with 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 little effort in in all honesty people who i've been connected with um found me on linkedin i think i'm right i think i'm right in saying uh that uh, make use of writer Andy Betts who's a general freelancer he was previously an editor of a magazine a print publication and I think he found me through LinkedIn initially oh. um, when I started working on Android magazine about five years ago and I also contribute to a site called uh, Electro Pages and the Electro Bob which is a, really a kind of business focused website but prior to that I worked on a sister a, a related site called uh, el oh electro maker, and they found me through LinkedIn. And again, I hadn't done anything. I was just on LinkedIn, and they were okay. looking for people who write about particular topics, and they found me. So there's, a, I mean, there is a good passive side to LinkedIn. And boss seems like it might be a bit more uh, requ- require a more proactive attitude. okay um, yeah
1: Less just like put up your accomplishments and see what happens and more like seek people out or yeah maybe it's more for people like like in the i saw in their faq it said um yeah what does the free membership include and it says um people that you can talk to about questions that can't be answered on google so i guess maybe it's less of recruiting and more of like Hey, I just started my own business. What do you think is the best way to do this thing about taxes or whatever? Like, more like talking to real people who have um, experience with what you're doing instead of just getting answers from Yahoo answers or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the best to you, Girl Boss. I uh, hope it works out for you. Um, obviously, it's going to have to go in a very different direction to uh, LinkedIn, but uh, they um, no doubt have. A detailed plan and I suspect that the whole LinkedIn for women is basically just marketing talk for what it isn't really but what it what it what it can be for you
1: yeah because I don't I mean again I'm not a woman obviously but I, I mean I don't I, I haven't heard it's not I, don't, I haven't heard this sentiment of all oh, you know of females saying oh, LinkedIn sucks I wish there was an alternative for for women. I, I haven't really heard that. I mean, they very well know, Someone may be saying that I've never heard that, but so it doesn't seem like, oh yeah, that's such a natural fit. But yeah, I mean, if you have an idea, yeah. go for it. So,
0: well, LinkedIn does kind of suck. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. forever struggling yeah. to find my profile, um, while oh, yeah. I'm logged in, you know, and you know, yeah. you know, when, when you, when you go to one page and then you think, all oh, right, I want to put an update up. Oh, well, where's, where's, the box gun that you put an update in? Yeah, it's just, it's super- whereas if I go on Twitter, I can click a button and I can put an update in just like that.
1: User friendliness is uh...
0: yeah, most definitely. Okay, let's go on to some tips. Um, the best tools for unRARRING rar files. I haven't seen a rar file in
1: ages. Yeah, that seems like kind of an old school format. I mean, I I it's almost always like a zip or .7z file. Yeah, rar theme seems. Yeah, RAS, RAS were big. Um, Ra Ras
0: were big in the '80s, obviously. Ra files themselves were kind of big in the early kind of disc image era, weren't they? Yeah,
1: I imagine that probably makes more sense maybe when you're ripping stuff off a CD yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so there, there are various formats. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you come across a Ra, then uh, you can probably use WinZip to. Uh, to unzip it now winzip's a funny thing isn't it because there's two winzips essentially there's winzip and then there's the zip decompression tool that you get in windows yeah by default
1: probably assumes people think that when people wow which probably leads people to assume the winzip is owned by microsoft or something yeah
0: yeah yeah um so so those are different things. Now, there's WinRAR as well, which is also an option. WinRAR will c- c- tell you that you can't use it. It used to tell you that you had to buy it um, or wait a few seconds before you used it, which was the most
1: bizarre business model to me. Um, I'm not sure if that's still the case. I'm pretty sure that it is, yeah. I watched a YouTube video recently that was called – it was interesting. If, you wanna, if you're want if you interested, it's called like WinRAR and the Infinite Trial or something. You know, right. it, it, it was like a six-minute video. It just looked at how – like that old shareware model was way more common back in the day where it was like you could try the software and then it would just nag you or ask you to tell your friends about it or whatever. So it's like yeah. they expect you to use it without paying, but they leave the option open if you want to. So it's almost kind of a meme at this point. So Yeah, it, it's weird. I don't know. It's like that's like – I can't think of any other software that does that now. Like uh, That's such an uh, old-school model. Well, there's very few tools that are still around from those days as well. Yeah, they've been um, superseded or yeah, extinct,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, pzip that's another option, um, and that's free to use. That handles RA, 7Z, TAR, Zip files. There's also 7-Zip itself, which I think is probably, that's really the kind of go-to yeah.
1: compression, I,
0: decompression tool now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I always, um, 7-Zip is kind of the, you know, if someone ever says I need to open this, just install 7 If I'm setting a computer up for someone, I just tell them to install 7-Zip. I mean, it's yeah. it's it looks ugly, but it's, I mean, it installs in five seconds. It's free of any kind of bloatware and just, just works, really. Um, I, 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 P-Zip is prettier, so I, I'll recommend that sometimes, but 7-Zip is, to me, why use anything else? It doesn't cost anything. Sure.
0: Um and there's also B one free Archiver, um, which is also has an online version and there are various online tools for unpacking RAR files. Um and there are RAR solutions for Android and uh Mac OS as well. Again, um it's very rare that you come across a RAR, or rather you come across a RAR these days. Um, I know I've got a few, they're on old discs, old C D ROMs. But uh, and old CD ROMs, that now that's a topic for another day. Old C D ROMs.
1: What to do with they, them?
0: They don't last forever, do they? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a news flash for you, listener. <laughs> they don't last forever. Um, we will come back to that another time. Um just to remind you, the really useful podcast is available to listen to on iTunes, Spotify, Transistor.fm, and pretty much anywhere that you get hold of your podcasts and uh, you see we're even on youtube and sometimes we're on youtube with moving pictures um
1: moving pictures
0: <laughs> moving pictures yeah um let's move on to our next uh, topic which is the art of the apology how to say sorry with an email and mean it because everybody screws up and it's important to apologize especially when you're That's wrong. right
1: yeah ben what's this about That's right. So I recently updated an older article that was about uh, how to say sorry with an email. So I have to preface this by saying I'm not sure that I've actually ever done this myself. So this was kind of just (laughs) general uh, principles kind of put into email. But um, basically, the idea is that a proper apology kind of has three main parts to be effective. So the first part is that you acknowledge that you did something wrong. Uh, The second part is that you feel and express your remorse for your actions and you're empathetic to understand how those actions hurt the other person or someone else. And then restitution where you explain how you'll make the situation right. Um, so of course you can click through the full article. I'm not going to read through the entire guide, but the idea with the apology email is that, um, you address the person properly. So typically dear or whoever, if it's a business email, and then the main, the main thing to take away is that an apology is more about restoring the uh, the broken relationship, if you will, between you and the other person. It's not um, trying to prove that you were right or explain what happened. Um, you know, in the case of, you know, you screwed up some assignment and it made your boss look like an idiot or whatever. Um, you know, even if it was because your coworker was tying you up or IT didn't fix your computer or whatever, um, a proper apology explains. You know, I realized that I missed the mark on this and that it made you uh, embarrassed in front of the shareholders or whatever. Um, so that's the main idea. Um, try, you know, I would say keep it short, just kind of stick to the, the those three parts of the formula. Um, and, of course, restitution is the other important part. So you it's not just I'm sorry. It's, uh, you know, how do you make it right if you can fix what you broke? Then you do that. If not, you can explain what you'll do in the future to try to keep it from happening again. So that's the main gist of it. Um, of course, email is not always the best way to apologize. I would say if you're able to do it in person or even over the phone, that would be a lot better than email. But in some cases, maybe it's urgent or your boss lives on the other side of the world or something. Um, sure. Email would be the way you have to do that. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, it all makes sense. Uh, I don't think I've ever had to apologize by email. I'm not sure I would apologize by email. I, I think maybe for me
1: that seems like an easy get-out, unless there's distance involved. Yeah, I agree. I, I, to me, it's it's like you know breaking up over a text message or something. Like it just seems like a kind of a. I'm so old; yeah. I've
0: never done that.
1: Yeah, well, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, similar to that, just like a, it's kind of cowardly to like. I mean, I get on the one hand, I get it because. I prefer like I'd rather email someone about whatever because it's not like when you're on the phone, you have to think in real time and respond to things. Whereas an email, you can think about what you want to say. So I get that aspect. But that's why yeah, I would say try to avoid apologizing on email if you can. But yeah,
0: definitely, definitely,
1: definitely. Let's move on to our final
0: item on this week's really useful podcast. Five clever ways to use DIY cleaning slime or putty um is the title of the article which i um produced a few days ago listen um the idea behind this really was uh, my children are obsessed by slime they watch an inordinate amount of or they did until so i put a stop to it because uh, i didn't know they were doing it i thought they were watching arts and crafts videos on youtube uh on the morning before school but it turns out they're watching people mixing up slime and um it's not ideal really it's um basically and this is the video right so it's top down imagine this is the surface here okay pour out some slime onto the surface here camera's looking at it and then you don't see any face you just see some hands going in like that and it's all all symmetrical gooey kneading and stuff to make quite awful patterns um but it occurred to me that well you know you can make your own slime and you can don't have to be doing all that with it it is quite a useful material um substance because it can be used to clean up it has a tacky element to it because it's got glue in it pva glue um five ounces of white pva glue a quarter cup of borax and one and a half cups of warm water it's important to use rubber gloves for this because borax is caustic uh when mixed with water so obviously you don't want to be getting um skin burns um now once this is creating you get a kind of a sort of a, a blue tacky sort of a substance although there'll be a bit more of it you can then use it for picking up dust and dirt around a keyboard um other parts of your computer you can clean clean your computer mouse um speaker jack or charging port on a phone because they can get blocked up with dust yeah. and dirt oh, um, yeah standing dust from pcs and games consoles even the air vents on your car will get cleaned with a roll over this stuff uh it doesn't last forever you know you can buy cleaning gel um it's quite useful um it, it starts at quite a bright color and you can tell when it's past its best because it's also been tacky and it goes kind of a dark sort of a color okay but it's it is just as easy to make it so yeah it's it's an option and maybe get your children involved with making it i don't know um a yeah, bit of science you know. while you clean. Well,
1: that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have you used any, um, packaged cleaning putty slime? I don't think I've ever,
1: I don't think I've ever done that. I like when I, as soon as I saw the article, I knew what it was referring to. Um, I've seen that sold or maybe saw someone use it when I worked in it or whatever, but I've never used it myself, but I could picture how it, you know, it picks up all the junk when you're running it over your keyboard or whatever
0: yeah i used to have some i don't know what happened to it i was uh think it might be in my
1: my office drawer which is basically
0: a drawer uh in my kitchen um but no i don't i don't have that but uh yes yeah, so that's um ways you can use diy cleaning slime or putty to um clean up your computer and you know it's very important to keep um everything dust and dirt free really i've been i was looking at my xbox a few minutes ago um before we started recording i noticed it's developed a layer of dust which needs sorting out um pretty imminently uh but uh, you know that's that's the way things go
1: yeah things it, it's amazing stuff. how everything gets i mean even it's easy to miss or just kind of forget about it and then stuff just gets so nasty yeah yeah especially when you have got a pc tower on the
0: floor um and you've got an animal in the house the yeah. amount of hair that gets sucked up um is uh, quite remarkable it's like it's like a barber's floor sometimes.
1: <laughs> when, I, when I when I bought my desk, it came with a little uh, platform to put your desktop on, which I use to keep it off the floor, which is nice. It yeah, still definitely. gets a little bit dusty, but I mean, I cleaned it out a couple of weeks ago, and it wasn't – I expected it to be worse. I mean, there was a little bit of dust to blow out, but it wasn't, like, caked with debris and everything, so that's that's good. <laughs> yeah it can happen so uh that's this week's really useful podcast
0: uh in uh which we talked about amazon Alexa voice recordings AntStream, stream girl boss the linkedin for women we looked at how to open raw files other compression files the art of the apology over email and DIY cleaning slime we'll be back next week for another really useful podcast from make use of until then it's goodbye from us